Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Women Arscast on Arsblog.com. I was going to give you the usual strapline about how this is the only podcast dedicated to the Arsenal women's team, but I've had uh, correspondence from a friend of the pod, uh, one-time guest on the pod, an excellent Dutch football journalist, Anne-Marie Postma, who tells me that there is another podcast about the Arsenal women's team that is recorded by um, by a group of Dutch girls, um, actually. So uh, my, my premise that we are the only podcast dedicated to the Arsenal women's team has been shot down. Um, Nevertheless, we'll still claim that we're the best for now because I don't speak Dutch and therefore I cannot confirm whether the other one is actually better. But anyway, stick with us. It's great that there are more podcasts about the Arsenal women's team, but we'd like to still consider ourselves the premier one. Um, This week, uh, once again, delighted to be joined by Alex Ibaceta. Alex, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. A bit um, relieved, I guess, that the season's done. It's kind of mixed emotions um, now that I've actually, it's the day after and I've gotten to to relax and realise that it's all done. Indeed. And you were at, we're recording this on the Monday, um, you were at the Chelsea game um, against Reading at Kings Meadow. Um, bit anticlimactic final day. I think so. It was the thing is that it's my first it's my first final day as a journalist, obviously, because last season um, got robbed of that final. But I was expecting, you know, just like party and and kind of just like exciting emotions everywhere. And then the final whistle went and and Chelsea kind of just like, woo, just like very dully celebrated the final whistle. And I was just like very underwhelmed. And at the same time, I was looking at Twitter um, and Barcelona obviously won the league in Spain and they were just in jumping Tenerife. in the pool. Uh, yeah, exactly. They were jumping in the pool, you know, going crazy, you know, champagne bottles everywhere. Um, so it was it was very underwhelming. But no, it was, it was you know, a 5-0 win on your final day. That's that's pretty decent. But um, yeah, just not what I was expecting, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, if I was going to seal a league title, I'd probably prefer to do it in Tenerife. Um, as as opposed to as opposed to Kings Meadow. No offense to to to, to Kings Meadow, um, and I know an area you used to live in as well. But I I definitely take a swimming pool in Tenerife, and obviously both teams have the Champions League final coming up. And I do wonder if um if maybe uh, you know not that that's important, but whether Chelsea have got their minds on that um, a bit more. Whereas Barcelona have, have played some finals now, um, but I I think that's a fascinating final on sunday actually uh, what do you who do you i know you've got a vested interest in it <laughs> but who do you back to take it uh it's it's really hard it was um obviously one of barcelona center backs andrea pereira is suspended for the final um so if she was there i would be fully confident that barcelona uh, will take it because as you said tim you know they have experience in this final before so chelsea are kind of celebrating getting to the final Barcelona are celebrating getting to the final to get their revenge um, mm. from that Leon loss. So it is kind of a psychological difference there. But if Andrea Pereira was there, I would be a bit more confident. But since she's not there, we have to pull a player from the midfield, which destroys the entirety of, of the midfield kind of dynamic. Um, so I'm still confident, but it's just, it's. I mean, it's going to be a thriller no matter who you're for. I mean, both teams have had a cracking season and it's top, top players going against each other. Um, so I, I'll say I'm, I'm confident, but... I'm not as confident as I wish I would be. 
Yeah, I've got absolutely no shame in saying that I will still be I'll be rooting very heavily for Barcelona because um, I still want Arsenal to be the only British team to have won the Champions League. But anyway, this is not a podcast about Chelsea or Barcelona. It's a podcast about Arsenal and there is plenty to be talking about. We're recording this on uh, Monday afternoon. And so this morning, Arsenal announced, um, well, confirmed some reports that were already out there about Gilles Rod going to Wolfsburg um, next season. I, I'm expecting uh, there are also reports about Marlin Gutt as well, going back to Grasshopper Zurich, which I'm expecting to happen. Um, my timeline's been going a bit mad this morning because I teased that Arsenal had already replaced Shilrod, according to my understanding. And uh, Tom Gary from, um, from The Telegraph has confirmed uh, the information that I had as well, that Arsenal are close to signing Manu Iwabuchi from Aston Villa, a player they tried to sign a couple of times last year, but were blocked by the Japanese FA um, due to the Olympics. So my understanding is that this, yeah, I mean, Manor signed for Aston Villa in January and it, it kind of looks very much like she parked herself there for a few months before coming to Arsenal. So I think that's a hugely exciting signing. But let's start with uh, with Jill Rod, Alex. Um, she came to Arsenal for two years with a big reputation, perhaps didn't quite happen for her at Bayern. You know, she's in a very crowded national team picture. Um, with really good players in her position and she's uh, the story of her career so far has really been a struggle to establish herself as an absolutely elite player what do what do you make of her her two years at Arsenal and the move to Wolfsburg I think it's a good uh, move for both Arsenal and Jill um, obviously as you mentioned Tim that, that leaves room for someone else to come in um, especially like a player like Mana, I mean, who we know, we saw her with Aston Villa, plays really well, but doesn't really have the players around her to kind of complement her style of play. Um, and Jill, you know, she, I mean, she started the, the season with two hat tricks um, and then she didn't really score after that. I think she only scored one more goal um, or something like that after yeah. that. So it was just very underwhelming. Um, I think Jill is a class player. Don't get me wrong. I think no matter what, she's a really good player, but she has struggled to kind of, I think consistency is has been her her kind of downside to it because on a really good day, even with the national team, you know she she does the work that you want her to do. Um, I know Joe wants her to kind of play right behind Viv and, and kind of them feed off of each other and then switch that that false nine role sort of say. Um, but then you know other days you can see her she doesn't track ball, back um, the ball sometimes and it's just like the inconsistency in her play I think has been the downside to both her and um, Arsenal in general. But I think Wolfsburg is a really good move for her. Um, obviously, Wolfsburg are kind of having that season to turn over things with the new coach, new players coming in. Obviously, there's um, Joel Smits um, and uh, remind me who the other Dutch player is. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. They're bringing in two other Dutch players and obviously they've already got Dominic Janssen and Shani Svandersand yeah. in there. Wolfsburg's it's, new coach was Gilles' coach at Twente, yeah. even though he's not Dutch, but he's worked in Holland. He so. was, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, I think it just complements Joe a bit better. Um, a different style of play. I think it's not as fluid passing and quick passing as Arsenal are, um, which I think Jill doesn't necessarily like mm -hmm. um but I, I just think it's a really good signing for both Jill I think Jill's gonna be a lot I don't know if to say happier because she has mentioned that the German style of, of kind of football is like very strict and she did enjoy the, the Arsenal kind of a funner way of, of playing football but in terms of the actual style the players around her I think Wolfsburg are, are definitely a, a better team for her yeah, I, I completely agree with all of that. I think the thing is, Arsenal do have a lot of players in that position. And I think um, and none of the, I don't think any of this is Jill's fault per se. I think she's a really good player, but it, it didn't quite. Um, she never really set light at Arsenal. Um, Ten goals this season, but scored in four games. Three of those goals are hat-trick against Gillingham. So she scored in three WSL games um, this season. I, uh, personally, I just think that she... The, the space that Joe wanted her to occupy stepped on Viv's toes a little bit because I think those are the spaces Viv likes to occupy and Arsenal already have uh, Daniela Vanderdonk and Jordan Nobbs as well and I know a lot of supporters were kind of looking at it and thinking they'd rather have DVD or Jordan in, in those roles as well. I, I completely agree. I think this is a great move for her. Wolfsburg are a, a great club. 
um, she's she's going to have lots of uh, she's going to have a coach that she knows very well, lots of Dutch teammates, and Arsenal are going to get a bit of money for her um, as well. There's there's an undisclosed fee because her contract's not up. So uh, all in all, I'm I I think that that's the right move for all parties. So what about um, Manu Iwobuchi, um, who it looks very likely Arsenal will sign this summer? Um, what 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 do you think of that move? I think it's a great move. Um, we've seen her this season with Aston Villa. Um, you've seen what she's about. You know, she she's a really dynamic midfielder and I think she'll slot into that midfield um, pretty easily. Um, I think with players like Kim Little, you know, DVD, Leo Walty, I think she she kind of fits that role of pass and move, pass and move, short, quick passes. I think she's really well um, capable of that. And obviously she scored up a, go- a couple goals for, for Aston Villa as well. So, you know, she's the type of player that you, you want on this Arsenal team. And then obviously, you know, she has played with Viv and, and Lisa Evans before at Bayern Munich. So it's not unfamiliar. You know, it's not a, a completely unfamiliar territory for her to, to slot in with these players. Um, so I think, I mean, and yeah, I think it's obviously easier now that she's also, um, as you mentioned, Tim, that she slotted herself into Aston Villa just for a few months. Um, she's already climatized to the WCL. She's climatized to England, um, which takes a bit of pressure off of her now, like moving into Arsenal. Um, so I think it's, I'm really excited to see her play there. Um, yeah, just the net, the dynamic in her style of play. And, and Joe spoke, you know, very highly of her. And I think that says a lot about her as a player as well. Um, so yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. Yeah, same. This is just this is a player I've loved for a long time since um, the that 2011 World Cup. I kind of like a lot of people really fell in love with that Japan team um, and just the the football they play. And um, for fans of the Arsenal men's team, um, perhaps think of Japan of that era a bit like an early Arsene Wenger team. Um, you know, just lovely kind of one touch technical. Um, kind of play as, and and Mana fits that absolutely brilliant, brilliantly and she's 29 she's played for Bayern you you referenced um, not only uh, an ex teammate of, of Viv and Lisa but you know best mates <laughs> I think it's fair to say um, played with Manu Zinsberger as well played with Leonie Meyer although I, I think Leonie Meyer's going this summer um, and Vicky Schneiderbeck she's played with so she knows a lot of the team already and obviously this depends on the new coach I mean for a Joe Montemoro team she really 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 fits um, but obviously we, we're not going to be a Joe Montemoro team for much longer but I don't think the new manager is going to complain too much about having Manu Obuchi and the other advantage of Manor is she can play as a number 10 she can play as a second striker she can play on the right or the left she's really quite versatile in that respect and for me I've watched a lot of Villa games in the second half of the season and I just think it's been a mini tragedy watching her chase long balls and I understand why Villa have done that because they needed to stay up but it, it really really just doesn't suit her style of play I think Arsenal's a great fit for her and I'm I'm absolutely delighted because this was a transfer that nearly happened a couple of times and I was so disappointed it didn't so personally I'm absolutely delighted uh, that it looks like it's going to happen so um, yeah really really looking forward to that and, and hopefully Hopefully, you know, someone like Viv, who's not signed a contract yet and is, you know, I guess waiting to be convinced, having one of her best mates um, at the club, uh, hopefully will make her make her happier as well. So that's that's um, yeah, that's that's a lot of news um, coming out in one morning. And I'm really glad that we're recording this after it's all come out, because I thought I was going to have to be really coy um, and not name names. Um, so thank you, Tom Gary, for doing that. Um as as I put out on Sunday night, um, obviously we 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 run these pods as a bit of a Q and A, um, so we've got lots of your questions lined up. Um, obviously, most of the questions came in before um, the Gilles Raw transfer was announced, but um, a lot of people knew it was going to happen. So, um, and there's obviously a lot about squad building, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, why don't we crack on with the first questions now? A lot of you asked about transfers, um, completely understandably. It's that time of year, and we decided to record this podcast the day after the WSL season ended for a reason as well. So just going to read, a lot of you had very similar questions. So Liam at calm at underscore cow at underscore, uh, sorry, underscore ard. Do you have any new names uh, or rumours of players possibly joining the team? Um, 
Yes, you've heard them now. Uh, Colin Carpenter at C underscore Carpenter 14. What's the best case scenario in terms of departures? And the best case, uh, how realistic is it we keep the rumoured players, uh, the players that are rumoured to leave? Caroline at Iron underscore Line 81. What areas do Arsenal need to invest in to be title or Champions League contenders next season? And is it realistic with support from the club? Rachel at Burke 92. Rachel, what signings do we need to make this summer to really compete for the title? Suz uh, at Speedbug007, who would your realistic ideal new signing would be? Um, Clockend Mum at Clockend underscore Mum, which players will stay and who might leave? And uh, Adam Salter asks, will whoever is bought in uh, manager-wise be given funds to improve the team? So loads of questions about transfers. Um, let's start with Alex. Now we know that Manor, about Manor Iwabuchi. What areas would you really like to see um, Arsenal strengthen? And if you've got any names um, for realistic but ideal signings, who would they be? I think, I think one of Arsenal's kind of target players should definitely be a striker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you see it, and I hate to compare it to Chelsea, but Chelsea have so many options in the top three. I mean probably just for that central striker position, they probably have like four or five choices. And you can see the flexibility that they have when it comes to formations, when it comes to rotation. And Arsenal don't have that. You know, yeah, Caitlin Ford, Beth Mead can play in that central position, but the way that Arsenal built at the moment, you know, Beth Mead, Caitlin Ford aren't going to thrive in that central striker role. So I think there needs to be a a, like a direct replacement for Viv in that central striker role, because at the moment she has all that weight on her shoulders. Um, and I think that takes a toll in both the team not having, you know, that change, you know, having that consistent uniform throughout the entire season of, of having just Phil as, as a central striker. And Viv also, you know, give her a rest sometimes. <laughs> um, I think a central striker is definitely one area. And then obviously, Frinoni um, Larolfo is obviously a free agent this season from Wolfsburg. Um the only downside to Rolfo is that she is injury prone and we know that Arsenal don't need that at the moment. But if she is, you know, that backup striker to Viv, she's not going to see as many minutes. Um, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if she would be OK with that. Um, obviously, there's still Champions League competition, so that's a big plus to any striker coming in. Um, but I think also the new manager coming in needs to figure out, obviously, you know, we have the fullbacks and we have the wingers and all of them can play in either position really. Well, mostly the fullbacks can play in that winger position, but I think there needs to be a more clear setup. There needs to be clear players that are doing this role and doing this role. You know, Lisa Evans, for example, can play either fullback or, or winger, but she's been kind of tossed back and forth depending on, you know, external factors of injuries and players available, which I don't really think, helps the team nor Lisa mm. um, so I think just I think the central striker role is definitely one area that Arsenal need to recruit I need to prior, need to prioritize that midfield we have enough midfielders um, obviously with Malingu potentially leaving a six might not yep. be a bad signing um, especially as we saw uh, this season you know center backs uh, we've had a problem with it so obviously Leo Walti has had to slot into that and then Kim Little has had to slot into that six role which you know isn't ideal because then you lose Kim Little and as a 10 as an eight um, so I think a six could also be a big position to fill with Goot leaving especially um, obviously the, the obvious one that everyone wants is Ingrid Engen yeah um, <laughs> And I mean, she is she's a brilliant player. And I think, yeah, I think clinching that Champions League spot is huge for recruitment because, you know, a player like Ingrid Engen just starting out her career isn't going to leave a Wolfsburg side to just go into another team that's not playing Champions League football. Um, so I think that's big. Obviously, you know, internal transfers within the WSL is obviously uh, another factor. Um, those are the top two names that kind of come to my mind. You know, Vicky Lozada is also out of contract this <laughs> summer if you want to bring her back to Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I think a center defensive midfielder and a striker are kind of the two areas that I think Arsenal 100% need to bring in new players. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to get Ingrid Engen. And I know she said she's interested in a move to the WSL um, this summer. Um, I've, I've not heard anything about who that club might be, but obviously we know she's going to leave Wolfsburg. Um, and I think that would be great, not least because I actually quite like Leah Volti as a centre-back, not least because she's got a really good left foot. And Arsenal have a lot of centre-halves, but they're all right-footed. 
Um, but a lot will depend, obviously, on the new coach. But where the new coach sees players, you mentioned Lisa Evans. Katie McCabe can play left back or left wing. What does the new coach want from her? Leah Williamson, is she that back? Is she like considered a mid, more of a midfielder by the new coach? Could happen. Um, so there's there's a lot of things going. I completely agree on the forward line. I'd love I'd love one more player in the forward line, um, and we're going to need a deep squad next season. There's the FA Cup is finishing in the autumn. There's going to be Conti Cup, hopefully Champions League group stage games. Like we are going to be playing three games a week, um, particularly in the autumn. So um, yeah, and and. Well, we've got some questions on some other positions, so I won't go into them, but I, I'd love to get Ingrid Engen. I really do. I think Ingen and Leah Valti, I think you've got you've got like two of the best defensive midfielders in Europe there competing for a spot. And if that's, you know, we're talking about challenging for the Champions League, I think that's the kind of depth you're after. Um, so we've got, a, a, I think, a really, really interesting question on a similar vein from Alex at there is only there is no A, only Z. And he asks, when we signed Noel Maritz and Steph Catley last summer, the idea was also to augment the attack by way of freeing up McCabe and Evans to play in their more natural correct, uh, their natural positions. Alas, injuries meant we didn't get to see much of that. Do you think we should give this plan another go? And if we do, how much would it affect our recruitment strategy this summer? And given how good Katie is been at fullback this season is it a course of action worth pursuing that's that's a hard one that's a heavy question um i think i think katie mccabe you know obviously she does like to play further up but i think she's proved herself enough that i think she's stuck in that position (laughs) i mean it's like it's it's to say stuck you know but at the same time you know she's doing everything that she would be if she was playing further up you know she's scoring she's assisting her -hmm. positioning as a defender is not stopping her um, so I think that's worked out actually really good for her. I think she's actually taken that role and, and done what's been asked to her, but also done what she's wanted with it. Um, you know, she's not afraid to attack. That's what she wants to do. And she's doing it without a problem, without compromising the defensive aspect of it. Um, I think, you know, Steph Catley, Noel Maddox is obviously another, um, you know, Steph Catley out for most of the season now. I think that's, allowed Katie McCabe to slot into that position a bit better. Um, I think if Steph Catley would have been there, it would have been a different story for both mm-hmm. Steph and Katie. Um, and then that would have been a different answer. But obviously next season, it's going to be interesting to see what the new coach does, what he like, you know, the he or she wants to see from from Katie in particular. Um, I think definitely with, you know, Noel Maritz, um, Steph Catley, Katie McCabe and potentially, you know, get Leonie Myers replacement. Um, if needed, you can then push Lisa Evans up without a problem, um, which I think Lisa Evans does thrive a lot better in that winger role rather than fullback. Um, you know, Lisa Evans is a top, top player. We haven't been able to see her this season as much as probably we wanted to. But, you know, she's she's a good fullback because she likes to attack, because she's fast. She likes to, you know, overlap, underlap, and then she can get back to defend. But is that her best position? I would think probably not. Um mm. But I think in terms of Katie McCabe in that fullback position, I think she's kind of proved herself enough that I think potentially the new coach will probably want her to uh, to stay here in that position. Yeah, I uh, it was interesting because yesterday Joe went to a back three and put Steph Catley kind of as the left centre back in that back three. I, I had a conversation with someone earlier this season where I speculated on whether we might see Steph Catley as a left-sided centre back with uh, Katie McCabe outside her. Um, maybe not for every game, but uh, particularly to maybe solve that issue of not having a left-footed centre-back. Obviously, no idea if the if the new coach wants to do that. I mean, I, talking about positions we might want to strengthen, right-back might be one of them um, because we've got Noel there who I think is a, a really decent first choice and I don't think we've seen the best of her this season because of injuries. Um, yeah, Leone, I think, is going. I And... I think you make an interesting point about the versatility, which obviously Joe really wants and some players really thrive on that and some perhaps don't. And um, I kind of agree. Maybe Lisa hasn't looked quite as good when she's moved back to the right wing as she did when she first came to the club and whether that's just a, a sense of like not getting used to things, whether she had injury issues. Um, I think like an, another right back would be great. And I, I can see Katie doing both roles, like playing as a winger and as a fullback when needed. 
Um, whereas Lisa, I think, may and p- p- particularly because I think we need that attacking reinforcement. Maybe if we say to Lisa, look, you're a right winger now, and uh, and we get that right back in. But but generally speaking. You know, Noel Maritz and Steph Catley is a really, really good pair of fullbacks. And it's just such a shame that we haven't been able to see enough of them this season, particularly in those big games, which is largely what they were bought for. Um, But speaking about maybe slightly less established players, um, the brilliantly named uh, the Chignon Empire at Laguna Beach asks, does Marlin Gutz exit clear a path to the first team for Ruby Mace or are we looking at another Lauren James situation? So Lauren James was obviously with Arsenal and, and left due to due to a lack of playing time. I don't know. I think that's, that's a hard call given that we don't know who the new coach is. Um, but I think a younger player coming up has to acknowledge that they probably won't get as much playing time considering that yeah you know there is Leo Valti you know DVD Jordan Nobbs Kim Little in the midfield for example in that CDM role that that you kind of have to play off of and I think I think there is a path for a young player you know Joe has been really good at, at bringing young players up from the academy at least having them train with the first team but when it comes to actual playing time you know I wouldn't expect a young player to to play, you know, those Champions League games, for example. But given that there is, you know, Tim, you mentioned the calendar, that it's going to be hell, you know, it's going to be really, really busy. Um, and I think that's when young players are needed. I think that's when, you know, there's there's one thing to have depth, but you're not going to have a top, top player sitting on the bench for, you know, Champions League for league games and then just play the FA Cup Continental Cup, for example. That's when young players are thriving in because they have the club's DNA, you know, for example, you know, there's academy players being like being brought up um, and you don't have to teach them that much um, for lack of a better, you know, sentence. But they're with the first team. They know the club's uh, kind of DNA and all that stuff. So I think that's when young players are going to have the opportunity. Um, so to add, a short answer would be yes, there is definitely a pathway for young players to come up. And that just I think in terms of the Lauren James situation, I think that's individually. I think that's whether a player is okay with knowing that they will be on the bench for a lot of the games, but knowing that there will be those opportunities and big games to come up big and kind of prove themselves. Um, So I think in terms of that, I think that's more on the individual player more than the club. Yeah, I I think my plan for Ruby next season would probably be keep her for the first half. Um, I hope Arsenal, you know, use their their youth and their backup players for the Conti Cup because of what the calendar is going to be like and then maybe have a look again in January and say maybe this year you know uh, similar to last year but I'd, I'd say she probably warrants a bit more playing time than she got in the winter this year so okay you've had a good loan spell with Birmingham come train with us we've got qualifiers for the Champions League um, we've got Conti Cup games let's let's give you those and then let's talk again at Christmas and if we can't give you more than that in the second half of the season another loan spell I think to a, to a WSL club would be would be really good I, I think personally that's the way I'd play it because I do you know I do hear the point that you don't want to lose a talent like Ruby and she's probably not quite there yet in terms of starting week in week out Um, a question um, about our defense from uh, Ryan Murphy who's at DJ Enova 22 what do you see as the plan for central defense next year with Woodman Moy having some promising performances but Jen Beattie and Vicky Schnaderbeck experiencing injuries Uh, that's I mean yeah we, we touched on it a bit um, you know, having Leo Valti slip into that that centre defensive role a bit more than we've seen this season, because obviously I think that worked really well. Um, but also I think that's a big... I don't think we're going to know that until the season starts and we see who the manager is. Um, you know, there is a, a style of play that will play into that. Obviously, you know, my preferred CB pairing at the moment is still Leah Williamson, Jem B.E. because of that they complement each other so well and, and Jen Beattie also has a wealth of experience in the WSL um, and she brings that extra comfort I guess to the rest of the team when she slotted back there um, Lata obviously is you know a magnificent player she's stepped up um, you know she, she scored goals she keeps clean sheets but do I think that she still needs maybe a bit more of experience? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there is those those moments of, you know, decision making of, of confidence even um, that I think that she still needs to rack up a bit more. 
Um, but in terms, yeah, it's just, I think what Arsenal need at the moment in the back is that experience more than anything, especially when it comes up to these Champions League game, which obviously we're going to talk about. But, you know, when you see the last four teams in the Champions League right now, you know, what is a player, you know, and it's nothing against the actual player, but, you know, Lot is still doesn't have that much experience. You know, what is she going to be doing when she goes up against, you know, the Barcelona, the Bayern Munich? You know, it's about that. You know, Gen B probably has a bit more composure when it comes to those games. Um, so I think, but in terms of, you know, the actual of who's going to play there, what their role is, that's going to be a big, um, that's just going to be up to the new manager, really. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it will depend on how he sees Leah Williamson, Leah Volti, um, whether he sees them as, or he or she, sorry, sees them as as midfielders or defenders or a bit of both. I, you know, I think Lotta as, as an ongoing kind of third choice is fine. Um, she'll get plenty of opportunities, but I agree she's, she's not quite there yet, but someone we could really hang our hat on. I think the real question for the new manager here is um, how ruthlessly they might look at Jen Beattie and Vicky Schneiderbeck, given the facts that given their injuries, Jen has had this um, calf uh, slash hamstring problem for, you know, nearly 18 months now. It's, it's been there. Uh, Vicky was injured for almost all of the first season that she was with with Arsenal, been injured most of this season as well, both knee injuries. So if we're looking at injuries as um, a big issue for Arsenal, it will be interesting to see how the new coach views that, whether he gives them, you know, another season. Um, and I think they've both got another season worth of contract or whether they come in and say, no, these are good defenders, but they're injured too often. That's been a problem for Arsenal over the last couple of years. Have to have to stem that. I think that's that's potentially a, a really big decision um, for the coach. I think the likes of Leah Lotta, you know, I, I think they're, their lock-ins um jen would be absolutely um it, it, it's injuries uh, not quality that's that's an issue for jen Beatty and how much that's likely to to continue i guess um we've got a couple of questions again in similar veins so we'll group them, group them together uh, eugenia who is at eugenia zanazo i know that getting the right coach is essential but am i wrong in thinking the current uncertainty may be a hindrance in the transfer market i'm a bit worried given the season starts in august and so so many of our players will be at the olympics aiden uh Delu- sorry aiden I, I know aiden he's in the supporters club and i'm going to make a mess of your surname uh Duelary, it, it, it looks Irish, sorry, um, at uh, Ada Naus. When will pre-season start? Presumably we'll have to come back and play games in late July. If CL qualifiers start in mid-August um, and obviously the FA Cup will be finished at the start of next season too. Um, so to clarify, there will be Champions League qualifiers. Arsenal will have to play four to go through to the group stages. Um, they are in what's called the league path. So they will play, I think, in neutral venues on the 18th and 21st of August. That's 16 teams go into that and they're all split into mini tournaments of four. So you play two games and essentially if you win those, you then go into the final playoff um, at the end of August, beginning of September. And that could be against a really good team like that 
That's because only five teams are definitely going through to the group stage, and that's the champions of Germany, Spain, um, I believe Sweden, um, the defending, and if Chelsea... Uh, win the Champions League well actually Chelsea will go through to the group stage because England is not one of the top four coefficients but because Barcelona have already won the league in Spain uh, Chelsea get a space so so essentially all these other great teams um, potentially one of Wolfs well definitely one of Wolfsburg or Bayern one of Lyon or PSG will be in there Manchester City will be in there so you could get a really hard draw um, there and the Olympics finish on the 6th of August, 12 days before that first qualifier. So pre-season is going to be tough. So anyway, Alex, um, how much of a hindrance do you think that might be for pre-season planning, particularly with no new manager in place yet? I think uh, it's it's definitely a hinder. But at the same time, you know, how many of the players are going to be there? Um, obviously, you know, Team GB and the Dutch team is going to take a good handful of our players, but, you know, we're still going to have, you know, Katie McCabe, um, Lisa Evans, um, probably, you know, well, obviously Caitlin Ford is going to be there as well, but there's still going to be a handful of players um, to kind of start that preseason run. Um, And obviously you could see it in both ways. You can see it as the players are going to be tired from the Olympics, or you can see it that the players are going to be in season pretty much already you know a high tempo season and they're just going to slot into this you know club team and um I think most of the team has been playing together for long enough that it's not going to be you know it's not going to be like oh these players haven't had a lot of time to just play together to glue together I think that's definitely not a problem for Arsenal considering that you know the likes of you know Jordan Obsley Williamson DVD Beth Mead you know all these players they're they're going to be playing together for a long time. So slotting in to that isn't going to be that big of a deal, but it's again, obviously down to the new manager. It's how, what style do they want to play? You know, what players, what players are going to do what? I think that's going to be the biggest kind of challenge that Arsenal are going to have. It's not the players, you know, coming from the Olympics. They're going to be tired, but, you know, we saw it last season with the Champions League, you know, Arsenal didn't have games before that, that, game against PSG and that obviously played a big toll on that but now it's the opposite you know players are going to have games under and they're just going to go into this Champions League run um but again it's going to be the depth that's going to play you know Tim you mentioned that it could be against a good team it can be against you know a, a team that we can be easily but again that's depth of squad that's who's available that's what the manager wants to do um I'm also interested in you know Casey Stoney has mentioned that she's going to get a few, a handful of players to come in two weeks before everyone else because of the injuries. Um, so I am curious to see what the new manager does when preseason starts to kind of get everyone into that, considering that, you know, half of the players are going to be the Olympics, half of the players are going to be there. And obviously there has been a lot of injuries this season. Um, so someone like Steph Catley, for example, you know, she's just getting into full stride now and then she's going to have this break now and then she's going to have to come back, you know, play Champions League football. Um, so I think it's everything combined. It's yes, it's not ideal to have the Olympics and Champions League stages and the start of the season so close together. But, you know, the players are going to be informed from the Olympics. So it's just a matter of how the new manager and how the staff manage both the style of play and also the, the intensity of getting everyone match fit. Yeah, yeah. I, so fitness the fitness question you're right for the actual qualifiers it will probably help i mean we're looking at australia netherlands team gp uh, and japan uh, obviously with mana um who'll be away so we're, we're looking at you know we're looking at probably in the double figures of players who are actually there fitness wise they should be okay and you know 12 days after coming back from tokyo hopefully like any um and it, like the time, the time zone and everything will be sorted out in that time. Uh, my worry is more actually further into the season, um, and that they're, they're not going to get much of a preseason together. Essentially, these qualifiers will be their preseason for the WSL, which is, um, you know, which is going to be tough. But there are a lot of teams in the same boat. City, cities, Man City's qualifiers only going to happen like a week after. Um, so they're, they're not in an enormously better position there. But I, I do think it's 
I do think that next season, the beginning of next season, with all of that going on and a new manager, um, we saw City had a slightly slow start this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal had a slightly slow start. I'm really hopeful that the WSL fixture list is kind in September and October because that that could be um, a bit of an issue. Um, we got some questions about contracts as well. So Lucy at Lucy Guna, do you think that Leah uh, will sign a new contract? And uh, the Arsenal Women blog at the WAFC blog, does your Rod's probable, now definite, departure tell us anything about Miedema's future? And should it make us worried about this summer, a time when we really need to be building the squad to compete with the best rather than de- replacing depa- departed stars? And Eric Barnes at Eric Barnes asks, more simply will Viv stay um, Leah I, I think she will Viv um, I think she will but I, I'm not sure she'll sign a contract as yet but again a couple of those things may be contingent on the new manager what, what do you think then should we take this question about um, should we be worried about like I said my information is that four players um, will be leaving um, you know should we worry about that in terms of um, you know replacing those players rather than building, what what what's your um, what's your feel on it, Alex? Mm, I don't know because it's you know Arsenal at that point where I think Tim you mentioned it. You know with the players that we have, we shouldn't be in the position that we are in the table at the moment mm-hmm. in the WSL. Um, I think on one side it's you know keep the core of the players that you have because you know there is something really good going. It's just not enough at the moment. Um, and then on the other side, it's like, you, you know, it's a new manager brings a fresh start. Do you want the new manager to be just be, you know, just being like, this isn't working. This is working. Get out, you know, without that attachment that perhaps we have to like certain players like Viv, for example. Um, and then, you know, someone like Viv also has to be a bit ruthless on her future. You know, she's at that point in her life where she's slowly slowly getting to her peak um, believe it or not she's not at her, at her peak just yet um but you know she's at that point of, in her career in her life where she wants to be doing things and arsenal haven't provided that for her you know it's one league title that she has and then you know after that nothing's really happened um you know sat on on, on champions league this season which you know was was really tough especially with the quality that there is now you know someone like Viv sitting on the couch watching you know um you know Barcelona PSG Chelsea Bayern that's not something you want to see so i think it's in terms of of you know players leaving i think it's about how ruthless the new manager is going to be and how ruthless the players are going to be with where they are at the moment yeah 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 i th- i think with um with Viv my feeling um is that she'll wait and see that um, she won't sign a new contract at the moment, but that next season, maybe this summer, the managerial appointment, what happens in the transfer market, um, that will all play into whether she extends. Um, I'm not hearing at the moment that she's going to leave this summer uh, personally, but then I don't know absolutely everything. Um, I do think Manor will, will make a difference there as well. Um, Leah, um, I, I think Leah will stay. Um, I, th- I think that's maybe just down to waiting and seeing who the new manager um, is um, and just checking that out, which I think is understandable. Um, but I do think she'll stay. But I, th- I think you're right. And I, d- I don't think anyone could really argue if Arsenal haven't like challenged for the Champions League and a third again next year. I don't think anyone could really argue um, if they've decided that, that, that enough was enough. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think we'll we'll see um, in both of those cases. But I'm I'm more positive on Leah um, in terms of extending her contract. Um, some other questions. Um, Jamie at Lines by Jamie. Not really a football question, but we got to see some of the new gear for next season today. Um, so the new uh, pink and well, it's multicolored warm-up shirt, which I really like, um, and the new kind of um, what do they call it? The presentation jacket for next season, uh, which is red with a blue trim, which I think gives you a bit of a hint about what the new home shirt's going to look like next season. But uh, what, what's your opinion on on the new? the new kind of gear and uh, any kit hopes for next season uh it took the the current you know that red and black warm-up kit it took yep. a couple months for it to grow on me <laughs> uh, at first i was like what the hell is this still it's looks just, like pajamas to me sorry oh, it, it's just it's it's so busy i don't you know there is like um 
I don't know who else has a decent, you know, to be fair, I think most of the warm up kits this season and every single Brown and every single team have been just, what are you doing? Just, you know, keep it simple, <laughs> please. Um, the, the new one, the one that came out yesterday, that's like pink and black. Yeah, that's right. I, it's, I think it's going to grow on me, but at the moment, I think I'm still like in shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the presentation kits, the ones that they come out at the start of the, the game, obviously, I think all of those are so nice. Um, yeah, and yeah, the one yeah. that they came out with yesterday is, is it is slick. Um, that red and white one with the hoodie and that zipped all the way up, I was really a fan of that one. I've um, got that. But the new kit, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of scared of the new kit next season. Um, you know, there has been those pictures floating around Twitter and it's not been the prettiest but it hasn't been too bad to be fair it's you know as you mentioned Tim that that little blue that they keep teasing um I quite like that one especially you know the third kit this season has been uh, it's really slick um but yeah 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 so the the home shirt will have that kind of blue trim to it I know the second kit's going to be like a lemon like a faded yellow um kind of color next season not sure about the third kit as yet but um yeah I I quite like that warm-up top but I've already got too much of this stuff so I'm just staying well away from it in terms of buying it um at only woso at only women's soccer asks looking at Arsenal's game versus Manchester United where they had the least amount of possession ever under Joe Montenegro tomorrow is possession-based football the right strategy to use against the other top sides or is less possession more effective all i have to say is look at barcelona against man city (laughs) i mean that first game um you know obviously the second leg was a bit different because then you're just playing to kind of you're playing to the score that you manage in the in the first leg um when you look at that first leg you know Barcelona won 3-0 it was you know it was one of the best games of football that, that I've seen in terms of you know just tactically looking at it it was so pleasing um and you know that is it's kind of a similar style that Arsenal are trying to play you know that quick movement that fluidity and, and changing position as we've seen you know Jordan Nobbs move from the the center to the wing and et cetera, et cetera. so it does work um I think you know obviously you know Pep's Barcelona are a big testament to that um if it's done right with the right it's I don't I don't think it's more about the players, but I just, you know, and their their technical skill and everything. It's more about the club and, and having every player on the same page. Um, I think possession based football, you know, Arsenal have done it really, really well on a really good day. You know, Arsenal are, are so nice to watch when all the players are on the same page, when everyone's at the same level of football, when everyone's doing their job and the role that they need to be doing. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's done right. It's. You know, it's not only really pleasing to the eye, but it is a style of play that's so elusive to defend against that it's Mm. so hard to, to, you know, counteract that. Um, So I think I don't think Arsenal should give up on that, especially with the players that they have. I think the players that they have kind of fit that narrative of quick passing movement and possession based football. Um, It's just a matter of can they do everything else to keep that? Yeah, yeah, I um I yeah, I I'm with you. I kind of think if you do a style well, whatever that style is, that's the most important thing. I would like to think that Arsenal have the option to do that, particularly like in a game against Chelsea or something like that if they need to. And I do think, you know, they've beefed up physically you know, brought in players like, I mean, you mentioned Jordan, Caitlin Ford, Noel Maritz, Steph Catley, like these are all players who um who I think can mix it if, if you want to go like a little bit more transitional I, I i'm not convinced that was the plan against manchester united but i think that was the way the game panned out and and it, we made it work um and and that's kind of that's more what i'd like to see just the ability to do that a bit more because we have to acknowledge that the the, the record in these big games has, has been rubbish, um, frankly, and they do need to think of something else, whether it's just doing what they do better um, or just being able to do that more transitional style. And I did feel like that Man U game was a bit of a touchstone moment in terms of Arsenal kind of, I guess, compromising some of those principles. Um, next question, we'll do some quick fire to finish. At, at, Ez, at uh, AWFC Gals, how do you think Arsenal will do in the Champions League next season? What stage do you think they should be able to reach? Oh, that's a loaded question. It's, <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, it's, again, it's, it's sadly, I think a lot of these questions, we can't really say a lot now because we're just, 
you don't know what's going to happen. You know, the new manager, um, you know, any manager has their own style of play and their own kind of, yeah, is, are they going to be ruthless with, you know, clearing players out or are they kind of just going to want to grow of what Joe has already done with the team? Um, but I think, I don't know. I just, I keep looking at, you know, this Champions League season right now is, has been incredible. You know, the quality that you've seen in these last four teams in particular has been outstanding. And it's not just, you know, it's a lot of these teams, you know, like Bayern, like Chelsea, um, like Barcelona, they've been building for years and years and years for this moment. You know, Bayern has been in Wolfsburg's shadow for so long now, and now they're finally kind of, you know, cracking out of their shells and being better than Wolfsburg. You know, Chelsea have obviously, you know, this is their first Champions League final. And then Barcelona, you know, they're, they lost that final against Lyon. And since then, their main focus has been getting to this final again and winning it. You know, it's it's these kind of attitudes that these players have been brought, you know, years and years and years. So, you know, mm-hmm. Arsenal are, they're just getting back in, in the Champions League. You know, last season, obviously, it was the first time competing in seven years. Um, you know, they missed out this season and then, you know, they're back now. Are the players going to have enough momentum in the Champions League in particular to, you know, you know reach that final four, to reach those top two um, against teams that have been at this for years and years and years. Um, so that's the only thing that I'm worried about. Um, I don't necessarily know what stage they're going to reach. You know, Arsenal, are, are they have amazing players, no doubt about that. But are they going to have that slow start to the season that you mentioned, Tim? You know, how mm-hmm. are they going to struggle through these qualifiers? Um, I think it's about getting to these qualifiers, getting into the group stages and then going from there. Um, I think these qualifiers aren't going to be a testament to how Arsenal are going to play for the rest of the season. I think that's important to note. I think they just need to get through and then go on from that. But how far they're actually going to get, I don't know, because, you know, all these teams have had all these experiences with the Champions League that, you know, some of the players in Arsenal are, are lacking. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, it, it will depend a lot on the draw. It's a really weird situation where that second qualifier will probably be tougher than the group stage itself. Um, and so, you know, if if we got like Leon in that qualifier, for example, then, you know, <laughs> we might not even get to the group stage. But I, if Arsenal get to the group stage, I would absolutely expect them to get through it. And then it's it's down to the draw. I wouldn't expect Arsenal to get much further than a semi-final, um, to be honest, for the reasons you mentioned. Um, and it would depend um, because after the group stage, it goes to the quarterfinal. It would depend on their quarterfinal draw, but I, I wouldn't necessarily expect them to get much further than that. If they got to the semi-final, I'd, I'd be pretty delighted, and I'd think, okay, there's something to build on. Um, maybe quarterfinal, probably more realistic, but that I, I'm looking at that second qualifier, and I'm just praying that the draw's um, kind, um, because getting in it at all might be <laughs> might be an achievement. Um, to a, a couple of questions that are on a similar vein. Sophie at Arsenal Panic. Uh, what were what were Arsenal's main problems this season? And Liam at Liam uh, Twit 15R. Would you class this season as a disappointment or failure? The acquisitions in the summer and the depth of the team strongly suggested that we should have been in the title race, but we weren't. I think disappointment is a good word. Um, you know, when you look at the table right now, Chelsea and Man City have one loss, or Arsenal have four. Um, I think that gap, I don't think it's a gap of money. I don't think it's a gap of players. I think that gap of them losing one game and us losing four, you know, you can't do that and expect to be in the title race. You can't, you know, it was that period of, I remember it was December to February where it was, you know, we lost that game to City right before the, the Christmas break. And we came back in January and obviously had that, that terrible spell of games postponed. And then back to back to back, we lost against Chelsea. We lost against um, City. We tied against Reading. Like that period was the deciding factor. And it was a disappointing um, ending to that. Um, I think, yeah, you know, with the players that we have, it's there's no reason why we can't be in that title contention but the way the season played out is just really disappointing you know obviously the injuries played a toll again um but that's still you know that's still no excuse that's a matter of depth and that's a matter of um kind of it's adjusting to what you have and I think Arsenal need to do that a bit more I think Arsenal you know as you mentioned Tim you know being you know the United game that you mentioned that we kind of had to you know take away some of the mo 
the more you know possession-based football that we wanted to play and kind of adjust to the game and, and you know just get the result really um I think Arsenal do need to do that a bit better and mm. kind of step out of their comfort zone you know as I mentioned earlier with the striker position you know Chelsea, Emma Hayes, they play X amount of formations with different players on the pitch and it works because it's different and you you play to player strengths rather than players kind of fitting into that one uniform style of play. Um, so I think Arsenal do need to, to kind of step out of their comfort zone a bit more and kind of adjust to that. And I think sometimes that is the reason why, you know, there's disappointing games against City, for example. You know, there's no reason why we should have lost Two one both of those games, um. So I think yeah, I think that's kind of a big factor of of the disappointment is the lack of versatility sometimes that you see. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. I mean, I think injury is a, a an ongoing problem and something that um the new coach will need to address. Um, and I, yeah, I I completely agree. I think taking the gloves off sometimes in those big games, um, big issue. And that's if I were the new manager, I'd look at this and I'd say this is a really decent squad. They underperformed last year. I absolutely think this season was disappointing, not getting through the Conti Cup groups. Um, obviously, the FA Cup is not finishing this year, so uh, it's finishing next season, which is kind of weird. But I think we absolutely underdelivered uh, on the talent in the squad, and and I think you, you really highlighted. Um, some of the biggest reasons behind it a couple of questions here actually about Katie McCabe which I think we've kind of addressed um, but I wanted to look at this one uh, Belinda at uh, Belinda underscore AWFC did any play Arsenal players surprise you this season oh um, I think Caitlin Ford impressed a lot mm-hmm. um, I think we all knew she was a good player, but I wasn't certain of how well she would have slot into into the season this season. Um, and I think she's done really well. You know, at the beginning of the season, I kind of looked at her and I was like, mm, is she going to, you know, keep that up and improve? Um, and she did really. I think she compliments Viv really well. I think she gets on with all of her teammates um, really well to have that chemistry already on the pitch. Um, so I think Caitlin has been not necessarily a surprise, but I think she's definitely... She uh, she proved me wrong. Let's just say that. Um, so I think that's been that's been a big one. And I think also, you know, Leah Walty this season has shined like no other season. I think, you know, she's consistently been a great, great player. But starting to that CB role, um, I think she just kind of showed the world. It's like, hey, this is me, you know. Um, so it wasn't a surprise, but, you know, it's obviously something that we've never seen before. So it definitely shone a light of what a great player Leovalti is. Um, but I don't think there's been a surprise necessarily. Um, I think Latte could probably be one. Yep. Um, you know, straight out of college, the U.S. you know collegiate system is very different to WSL, for example. Um, but obviously she did have that WSL experience before, but, you know, from when she left from now, it's a completely different team. It's a completely different dynamic, you know, different players. And I think she's definitely surprised a lot of people with what she can do I think she was always seen as you know a backup CB when you're desperate and when you really really need one and perhaps she still is a backup CB because of that experience that we talked about earlier but I definitely don't think she she I mean I can probably say that she definitely did surprise me with her quality and how well how confident she is really um slotting into that back four and playing big big games and not being shy you know that man united goal was big um so i think she's definitely surprised me more with her confidence than her actual quality yeah yeah i my i i definitely think lotta i i think mine's katie mccabe actually um you know played left back last season and i thought oh wow she's a really good left back and i didn't i mean when we signed steph catley i didn't expect her to play there this much anyway and I don't think that was the plan but even if you'd told me that I don't think I'd have got to a stage where I was thinking wow Katie McCabe's actually a world-class left back not just someone who's really good and improved I wasn't expecting her to improve again um, as a left back which which I really really think she has and for me um, if you're talking about Arsenal player of the season, um, I, I don't think there's anyone else in that race um, other than Katie um, personally. Um, we've, we've got a couple of questions as well about um, whether Arsenal will play at the Emirates next year. Um, and I'll address that quickly. I, I think so. Yes. Uh, you know, just regarding um, 
obviously, depending on what happens with with crowds and coronavirus, the, the plan was very much to play a game at the Emirates this season. But obviously, it didn't happen uh, due to there being no crowds and COVID prot- protocols, which means they couldn't even use the stadium um, empty. Um, I think that next season's North London derby, for example, you could see at the Emirates. It's more difficult maybe to do Man City and Chelsea because essentially the team would be giving up home advantage um, from Boreham Wood to play those games. Spurs is a game I think they can give up home advantage um, and and play at the Emirates and still expect to win. So I'd I'd expect that um, to happen next year. And I I think that was planned this year. Um, Final question, um, and we'll go out out on a bit of a high, why not? Uh, From Josh Bunting at Bunting Football, who covers Arsenal women for the Islington Gazette. What was your highlight of the season in general? So not just Arsenal and why, Alex? Oh, putting me on the spot. Um, I think that that Man United win um, was a big one. Um, I think because of the fact that you know it was Champions League, it was kind of as as bad as it sounds. You know, saying it out loud, it was the one thing that we could still fight for. Mm-hmm. It was the one thing that we still had going for us, and we got it. Um, and obviously, you know, Arsenal being back in the Champions League next season is huge from both from a fan perspective and, you know, just a, a media perspective of wanting to see, you know, another English team do well in the Champions League. Um, I think that moment was big, not because of the style of play, not because of the actual match necessarily, but, you know, it was a long time coming that I've seen Arsenal so riled up and pumped to play a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially, you know, that 3-0 loss against Chelsea, it wasn't what you expected. It wasn't, you know, that the players came out pumped and rallied, you know, at Chelsea, I think, stomped over us pretty easily. And, you know, we, we fell apart. Um, but against United, you kind of saw what you've wanted, you've you've been wanting to see all season. Um, so I think that was definitely a, a high point for me in the season. Um, I think that has to be the, the kind of biggest one because, it was a really good game to to watch all the players come together and and you see you you know obviously you know we were there in person and the bench couldn't stop screaming you know it was everyone <laughs> together kind of fighting for that and it was really nice it was really you know not relaxing it was just it was really nice to see everyone fighting for the same thing and actually fighting for it and succeeding at it um and i think that success was was really big for both the fans and the team itself yeah, definitely. That That's undoubtedly my Arsenal highlight. I think I was incredibly nervous about that game. I think we knew it was like a cup final and, and, and they got it done. I think um, for my general WSL season highlight, though, and, and I think this is kind of a nice way to close the pod, actually. Uh, I'm going to say Birmingham City um, staying up um, despite all of that. So I think that Birmingham City's owners wanted them to get relegated. Um, because they wanted Birmingham to no longer have to be a full-time club um, in the WSL. I think they probably thought, yeah, wouldn't mind being in the championship, actually going back part-time. Some some really, really kind of poor um, stuff happening there, I think, from the top level. Um, but the way Carl Award and the players just wouldn't accept relegation when I don't think anyone would have blamed any of them that much had they been relegated. They were playing with a squad of about 15 players at the best of times, having to play injured players. Um, Carla admitted on Sunday after their final game of the season that her goalkeeper had um, an outfield shirt printed because they only had one substitute. Um, and, and I think Birmingham staying up um, is, is a real tribute um, to, to those players and that staff that's there uh, staying up in spite, I think, um, of their ownership. Um, I won't quite use the word sabotage, but I think it was close to it at times. So I think that's that's my WSL highlight. And I saw a lovely picture of Carla in a post-match press conference drinking a bottle of cider. <laughs> that was a Which... big she, she gave her players an open bar also. <laughs> so that was great. The mood around that was just amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. So absolutely fair play to, to Carla and all of the players there. So that's that's my WSL highlight of the season. Um, but anyway, we, we've been going for an hour now, so we'll bring it to a close there. 
Um, really interesting pod to record on the back of a, a very news-heavy morning. Um, but we really hope you enjoyed that. We will keep recording these during the summer. Um, we'll keep asking pure questions and hopefully we'll have more exciting transfers to talk about. We will have other departures to talk about as well, but we'll talk about them when the time comes. Alex, thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure. And we will speak to you again um, shortly on the Arsenal Women Askcast. We have another bonus episode coming out next week. I spoke to Chris Slegg, who is the who is a journalist and broadcaster, but also the author, co-author with Patricia Gregory of a brilliant book about the history of the Women's FA Cup final. Um, and I spoke to Chris uh, last week and we were going to tack that interview on the back of this podcast, but it ended up being such a great conversation that we spoke for an hour. Uh, so we're going to um, about the history of women's football. So so we're going to put that out as a separate podcast next week. Um, but myself, um, Alex, and hopefully Pippa will be back uh, next month to take your questions. So until then, thanks very much and goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.